All right, Rolling Rocks fam. So this is the first edition of the Best of Rolling Rocks Radio. This is our first episode recorded back in the summer of 2020. The gym had just opened back up from the COVID lockdowns, and Jerry and I decided to finally put our money and our whiskey where our mouth was and start recording a podcast. Jerry and I had been talking about doing a podcast where we talked about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and mixed martial arts and basically anything else that we thought was entertaining for quite a while. And, and you know, during, during sparring and between rounds, we would kind of talk about what we wanted the, uh, the podcast to look like. And after taking part in um, one of Steel Jan's uh, Barbarian Rhetoric podcasts, I decided that the time was now and we just jumped in and, uh, and got started. So this first show was um, not very long. It was about, I think it was 30, 45 minutes long. Um, and we borrowed shamelessly from our favorite podcasts. The, um, the idea of, of having a different bottle of whiskey on every show came directly from Uri Freeman and the Red Teams podcast. We pulled a little bit from Drinking Bros, a little bit from Joe Rogan, of course. You can't do a podcast without having some inspiration from Joe Rogan. Um, and then some various Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA podcasts that Jerry and I both enjoy. You know, the Jiu-Jitsu show, the BJJ Brick podcast, um, that Jiu-Jitsu podcast, um, and, and a host of others. So thank you all to uh, all of the podcasts that we drew inspiration from when we started Rolling Rocks Radio. Because Jerry and I really didn't know where this was going to end up when we started it. But we just wanted to get together and talk a little trash and drink a little whiskey and talk about you know some of our favorite things jujitsu mixed martial arts and and as i said anything else we found we found entertaining um you know from this show we went on to have guests and start talking about important subjects you know everybody knows that we're pretty passionate about um trafficking and child abuse and among other things so this was really the jumping off point for what rolling rocks radio has become today so i hope everybody enjoys this best of rolling rocks radio with the uh, the reprint of our first episode so until next time for jerry armatrout i'm scott barker welcome to the best of and we're out this is rolling rocks radio with jerry armatrout cody carter and Scott Barker. We are live. Welcome to Rolling Rocks Radio. He is Jerry Armantrout. I am Scott Barker, and we're here to talk about all things jujitsu, whiskey, mixed martial arts, and anything else that we find entertaining. Um, so we're going to sit here, we're going to drink whiskey, and we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. So, Brother Jerry, how you doing, man? Oh, we're back in the gym for the first time since COVID happened. Even though we can't roll yet in the state of Virginia, it's good to be back in here and be around people. Yeah, so we're, um, Jerry and I are both uh, jiu-jitsu practitioners at Total Defense Martial Arts in Stanton, Virginia. Um, we're a full-service martial arts gym. We do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Western boxing, and Filipino martial arts. Um, and we are following our benevolent governor's uh, rules here in Virginia. We're opening slowly. Uh, we're currently offering uh, jujitsu themed 
fitness classes. Drills and cardio to stay in shape for when we can go live again. Yeah, which hopefully will be here um, at the beginning of next month. Yep. Um, so it's uh, kind of a bust tonight. We were supposed to have uh, one student and he didn't show up, but that's okay. He'll be here next time. So um, tonight, the whiskey of choice is uh, Hibiki Japanese Harmony from the geniuses at Suntory Distillery. So cheers, brother. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So um, since this is going to be a, a mixed martial arts uh, jujitsu podcast, the first thing that we, uh, that we want to talk about tonight is the news that Jerry dropped on me over the weekend that the notorious one, Conor McGregor, has announced his retirement. For the fourth time. For the fourth time. Um, and that's, that's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, not only do we have Conor McGregor announcing his retirement, but a couple of weeks ago we had Henry Cejudo yep. announce his retirement um, at the end of his last fight and then promptly at the press conference said he would unretire at if they uh if the ufc offered him enough money so jerry the question for you is um do you think cejudo is serious and do you think mcgregor is serious according to cejudo's coach he's serious he is done he's been training since he was a little kid when he did wrestling olympic team and you know college and now he's done mixed martial arts for a long time he's won two titles there's no one really interesting left for him to fight at the moment, and he wants to spend time with his family. So they're pretty sure he's done at least for now. Probably it'd have to be some huge payday, which for guys his size, I don't see him getting in the UFC. He'd have to go elsewhere. Ryzen, 1FC, something like that. He might do better, but not in the UFC. Uh, McGregor, McGregor just said that he's not interested anymore, that he's not excited, that they keep pushing off his fights. He was supposed to fight Gaethje for the interim title since Khabib is having issues with his dad being sick and then having issues coming from Russia anywhere to train and to fight because of the COVID and the travel bans and stuff. So there was, he was supposed to fight Gaethje uh, in a couple months and then they postponed it. And then he was supposed to fight Jorge Masvidal, uh, and they changed that. So they want him to fight Kamara Usman, who is a nightmare for it's, McGregor. It's a horrible style matchup, considering the argument is who's the best wrestler in the UFC? Is it Khabib or is it Usman? And we already saw what happened when McGregor matched up against Khabib, yeah. and now you're adding 20 pounds on or top more. or more on top of the same skill set. I mean, what uh, Usman walks around it. 205, 210, and does a heavy cut down to yep. 175. You're talking about a guy who legitimately probably has, well, in the ring will probably have a 40 or 50 pound weight advantage. Multi, at least five inches of height, if not more. I mean, McGregor's, what, 5'6", five, 5'7"? Five, He's yeah, a little guy. if that. And Kamar Usman is six foot one, I think. Six foot one, six foot two. He walks around at 205, between 205 and 215. He can strike. We've seen him take apart Tyron Woodley with his hands and just get him on the ground. I mean, he can. He he's legit, 
and he would he would probably be the end for McGregor because it's just McGregor couldn't even get up to 170 to fight Diaz. He only weighed 168, and Diaz's weight was a big difference in that fight. When if you look at just Usman's, for lack of a better term, wrestle fuck technique, yeah. right? Uh, you know, you saw what he did to Woodley, mm-hmm. getting on top of Woodley, tying up the legs, establishing top dominance, and using heavy hips mm-hmm. to to keep him down. Think about doing that to somebody that you outweigh by 35 or 40 pounds. He gets on top of McGregor, and I haven't seen, as much as I like watching McGregor fight, I haven't seen him be able to escape from bottom from somebody his own size, let alone somebody who's who's 35 or 40 pounds heavier. McGregor is a great striker. I mean, we saw it. He beat my favorite fighter of all time, Donald Cerrone. Blitzed him. Cerrone just... Wasn't ready, and it showed. He, you know, I love Cerrone, but but he's a Ma- slow starter. Yeah, I mean, McGregor, that's, yeah, he's Ma- a slow starter. Yeah, McGregor blitzed him, messed him up. But if Cerrone would have got him down, that'd have been a different story. I mean, Cerrone will submit you off his back. He loves that stuff. Yeah, but he didn't get a chance to. And I think McGregor knew that that if Cerrone took him down, it'd be all over. So he ran in there with the intention of just starting real fast and blitzing him and getting him, getting him, you know, getting him backstepping. And instead, he caught him with that weird shoulder, kind of broke his nose again, and then finished him. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I mean, I don't, I think McGregor will probably fight again. I just don't know if he's going to fight in the UFC again. You've got Manny Pacquiao talking about fighting him. You now have uh, Mayweather fight talking about another fight. You've got Golden Boy wanting to fight him. I mean, they all want that payday. They all want that money. Especially you know that Mike Tyson made a comment that McGregor impressed the hell out of him because he went in his first pro fight ever, 10 rounds with probably pound per pound, the best defensive boxer, if not the best boxer of all time in Mayweather. And he survived for 10 rounds. Yeah, he lost. But he survived for 10 rounds. And he against... looked good doing it. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the thing about the, uh, about the, the Mayweather-McGregor fight was, I mean, Connor, yeah, d- did, he, did he definitely show that he was a rookie in there? Absolutely. But he looked good the entire time. And you can say whether he lost or whether the fight was stolen from him um, you know, just because they didn't want it to go the di- – just because the commission didn't want it to go the distance or however you want to you wanna say that. But he looked good. Mm-hmm doing it and now he's got a little bit of experience anybody in his weight class or or in a nearby weight class in in any of the boxing federations you know they're looking at him going i can make a ton of money you know for a a relatively i don't want to say an easy outing but you know a more guaranteed easy out than you know any of the other matches they might be able to get are you talking about you could get say easily 75 80 million dollar Split with a McGregor, with just having McGregor's name on the marquee. Well, you know, no matter what, and that's a lot of money for people. And it's a crossover draw too, right? Yeah. Because, and that's what you saw with the Mayweather fight was the reason the gate was so big was not only did they have traditional boxing fans, but McGregor brought the crossover fans who typically don't care for boxing because it's they don't see it as being very exciting. Um, but they tuned in for that fight and paid the hundred bucks or whatever the pay per view was to see how how McGregor did. Yep, and at least McGregor went ten rounds. Unlike that poor Japanese kid, 
Uh, yeah, Mayweather yeah. destroyed May Cry. With the key punch, yeah. where he, he punched him and he flipped over backwards yeah. and went through the ring. And I mean, that, that poor kid was out. I mean, they w didn't let him kick. I mean, he's a kickboxer, but, and they didn't let him kick, but still, he got beat down. I don't know if a kick would have saved him or not, because Mayweather's good defensive. He would probably cover it up enough and close the distance and beat that kid down. So at least McGregor made it 10 rounds. Yeah, this is true. He made it a, He made it to where he didn't get knocked out in the first round. It wasn't It wasn't a parody of, of the Great White Hype movie <laughs> where you know he talks all that crap and gets knocked out in 30 seconds. So what do you think about Cejudo? So I, uh, for one, I'm really digging the, the new Cejudo or, or the, you know, his new act. I like the fact that he turned heel. I like the King of Cringe aspect of, of his character. The, the original Henry Cejudo, when it was him and Benavidez on The Ultimate Fighter, um, he was really saccharine. He was very, he was very righteously condescending, and he annoyed the holy crap out of me. I couldn't stand him, but I really dig the new King of Cringe, uh, Cejudo. I think it's a good, I think it's a good act. I kind of mark out for it a little bit. Um, but I think if one of them's going to come out of retirement sooner, I think it's going to be Cejudo because I can see this being part of his act. Cejudo, I think, proved with his dominating wins, winning two two belts, beating everybody, that he could he now can be the heel. He can now say I can do anything I want because I've beat everybody now. I mean, he beat Mighty Mouse, who was unbeatable. He beat Mighty Mouse, took the belt. He just Mighty Mouse ran off to one one FC yep. after that loss. Yep, he didn't even stay. I mean, he's he. It may be a gimmick to get somebody to, to challenge him, but right now there's no one exciting. Nobody. He'd have to put weight on. They talked about him gaining weight to fight Cody Garbrandt. I don't know if he can. I mean, maybe Cody talked about dropping down a little bit and they could have a catch weight. With the way Cody fought this past weekend, this new he went to a new team. He's looks like he's enjoying himself again. So that could be an interesting fight. That you know, let Cody get another another fight under his belt, another victory, and people might pay to see that. But Cejudo, I mean, he's he's got accolades, and I mean, there's he could be marketing for something else. I don't know what his UFC contract was. I don't know if he has any more fights left. I don't. I don't. I haven't looked. But we're we're. Me and Scott both are amateurs. We're fans. We're not experts. I'm a blue belt, a recent blue belt in jiu-jitsu, two and a half years of training, um, do some boxing. I've been in the ring one time as a boxer, amateur fight, you know, lost by split decision. You know, I was 41, my opponent was 24. And I went the distance and lost my split decision. So that's, that's you, our expertise. He was still robbed. Yeah. He was still robbed. Our expertise is... That we're fans, we in, we enjoy watching. I'm never going to say I'm an expert, but this is what we think based on what we what we see, what we watch, what we read. Because it's funny how all these some of the people who are paid to be reporters miss the little things, and then I'll be telling people at work something like, "Hey, this is what's going to happen." They'll laugh at me, and oh, that's what happens. Because you have to look at the different things, the nuances. 
is he going to, you know, when McGregor fought Nate Diaz the second time, I told people for a long time that was going to happen. He was not going to let that loss lie. He wanted a revenge. It was a great fight. Probably one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. Five rounds on your edge of your seat, you know, watching two guys beat the crap out of each other and then hug each other after the end. And if you listen, you can hear them tell each other they love each other. They just try to kill each other for 25 minutes and then they're hugging because that's about as close as you can get to gladiators nowadays. So, Jerry, you brought up two interesting points. Um, one is McGregor's tendency to carry a grudge. Yes, and, so. and the fact that he's he's actually retired without trying to get get the um, get the Khabib fight back, which I do find interesting. And the second thing that you brought up, which I think is very interesting, is the idea that we're seeing more catchweight fights recently. Um, you know, for a long time. I guess we'll go catch weight first. Um, for a long time, Dana has been very, you're in your weight class, that's the weight class you're in. I don't want, the, you know, the champ champ or the champ 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 thing, right? You're in your weight class, you stay there, and, and you, don't, you don't come out of that weight class. And he was never into catch weight fights. Nope. But now we're seeing more opportunities for catch weight fights. We're seeing some different fights like the BMF title between Jorge Masvidal and, and Nate Diaz. And like you said with um, Cejudo, right? I mean, kind of meeting uh, Garbrandt somewhere in the middle. Um, so I, I think it's interesting that we're seeing more of these um, opportunities for the catchweight fights where the catchweight fight was a very big deal in Japan. Back yeah. during Pride and and Rings and, and Shuto and some of the the older Japanese um, federations, you know, back in the early two thousands, there were a ton of catchweight fights there. And the early days of Valetudo here and the, the shootbox and the stuff like that with uh, you know that the, almost I guess you would say the backroom fighting. Yeah, the, the smokers. The UFC, and... Yeah, before you had the UFC or anything, when you had these guys. Well, you had Shamrock putting on these shoot box matches where they would just fight in a little room and wait. There was no weight classes. You just kind of, you know, you'd be close to each other. Well, that was about about it, you know, within 10 or 15 pounds. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pride, Pride yeah. originally had two weight classes. They had middleweight and they had heavyweight, and that was it. There wasn't a light heavyweight. There wasn't a welterweight. Yeah, they when when they brought Bushido in, that was when they had welterweight, which was actually a little bit lighter than what traditional welterweight is. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that we're starting to get to see some more of the the super fights that you in the past years you wouldn't be able to see. Some of the super fights are interesting because you will get to see guys that normally wouldn't fight. And you'd be like, man, I would really like to see how those two those two guys or those two styles would match up with their two different weight classes. Well, unlike boxing, boxing is eight pounds. I mean, you go to the bathroom one good time, you can drop eight pounds and you can fight <laughs> a different weight class. Yep. You go to Burger King, eat a double Whopper, you're in the next weight class. UFC is 15 pounds, which is a lot. And especially... Especially when you get to the heavy side. The, these lighter guys, like we said earlier, McGregor fighting someone like Kamara Usman, or even Jorge Masvidal. 
that's a big boy walking around. I yeah. Mean, he he cuts a lot of weight to to fight. I mean, there's some there's some killers. I mean, Donald Cerrone. You know, you think about it. He started. You know, he used to fight 180. Now he fights at 155 or 170, depending. I mean, I like a, him. I like him better at 170. The cut to 155 yeah. was too hard for him. Especially, he's been doing it too long. He's getting too much for him. But that, you know, Cerrone will always be my favorite fighter, the cowboy, because he's game as hell. Win or lose, he'll fight again. I mean, he fought six times in a calendar month. Yeah. I mean, he has beat some great guys. Yes, he's never held a title. Yes, he's choked a few times. But come on, anybody who's been in the octagon as much as that man, he holds the record for the most appearances. He holds the record for, for records. Yeah, he's the man. And I will always be a fan because he doesn't do it as much for money and glory as much as he does it because he likes to fight. He still likes that raw adrenaline. So he will always be my favorite. I love listening to him. I love watching him. I mean, the man's awesome. So hopefully we'll get a couple more fights at him because I ain't ready to see him retire. The thing about Cowboy is you you get what you pay for. And, and, and he is – he's Cowboy. There's nothing – there's no – as much as I can like, you know, what Cejudo's doing with his character, and I really think the King of Cringe is a character. Yes. I think Cejudo is still the the rated G Boy Scout that he was back during husband the Ultimate Fighter. Husband and yeah, father, husband yeah. and father. I think that is the real Henry Cejudo. Mm-hmm. I think the King of Cringe is a is a, a character, and I think it's awesome. But Cowboy is Cowboy, and and what you see is what you get, and he's a genuine guy. And that's that's who Cowboy is. I think that's one of the draws yep. um, that Cowboy brings is he is so genuine, um, and he's always going to put it out, you know, on the line and and give his best regardless of whether he wins or loses. And I'm a little worried about him. He's lost his last three, and that's generally the cut point for the UFC if you've got a contract. But he's such a draw. I can't see. He's a fan favorite. I can't see Dana. The, cutting him. The Pettis fight, should, that was poor judging. Even Dana himself afterwards, like that. Even Pettis himself was surprised he won. I mean, when they raised Pettis's hand in the last fight, Pettis was like, what? You know, he was shocked because he didn't win. He said at the press conference, yeah. I didn't win. Yeah. I mean, he did okay in the first round. I gave him the first round because Cerrone's a slow starter. But those second two rounds, he got knocked down. Cerrone took him down. He stunned him twice and the judges but judges are a different thing those some of those judges i don't think know what what mixed martial arts is a lot of them still judge boxing and they don't understand the nuance of top control side control they They certainly don't understand the 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 strength of guard right i mean they, they they are still they're still judging it a lot like a they're judging it like a wrestling match combined with a boxing match, where as long as you're on top, you're gaining points, right? Yeah. And, and how many times has um, Damian Maya gotten screwed out of the judges because he plays bottom a lot of the yep. times, and he gets killed on points? Or they'll make Damian Maya restart. That's the worst is when they get, they'll yes. make someone like him give up a position he has spent three and a half minutes getting slowly methodically working to get something and then they're like oh well you're not moving fast enough let's stand up what he's worked for five minutes to get on his left hip so he can move his leg out and either do a sweep or try to rotate into a submission and they stop him and stand him up 
I think all judges should at least have a background in several disciplines, at least have a, a journeyman's knowledge, but especially jujitsu. Jujitsu, if you don't know, understand jujitsu, just because you're on your back doesn't mean you're in trouble. Being on your back, a lot of times, is a good position. You can defend strikes fairly well. You get, especially if you have someone in the guard, you can do all the submitting. They, your guard is your defense. They have to get around your guard. Yes, they can punch you, but you can use your legs to keep them at distance. And a lot of times, if you watch, these guys will arc their hips and keep themselves from taking a lot of damage. But these judges don't understand what guard is. They don't understand what half guard is. You've got guys who play half guard. And Mackenzie Dern, she played my half guard the other night, and, turn, and then next thing you know, she's got a, you know, the first knee bar in women's MMA history. Yeah, and, and the half guard thing is really interesting because when in the past, you know, the last couple of years, you know, if somebody went from guard to half guard, it was considered they were giving up position. But you've got guys like Ryan Hall who specialize in playing from half guard and when they move from guard to half guard they're not giving up position they're actually moving into a more offensive position than standard guard and to your point i don't think a lot of judges understand that i mean i from the first time i walked into this gym till to me recently get my blue belt i've spent two and a half years learning and i still don't know any I have a blue belt that's very important, and I'm, I treasure it. I'm looking forward to continue training, get my next belt. But from the first few classes where I watch these guys, and I'm bigger than some of these guys, and I'm like, well, I'm bigger than you. I'll crush you. Next thing you know, I'm getting choked unconscious because I, one, two, don't realize I should tap, and two, just because I'm bigger and I'm on top doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's where they want me. They want me pushing forward, pushing down. They want me, you know, and now that I've learned it, I want that person, especially if the guy's bigger or heavier, you know, taller or heavier than me. I want him on top. I want him in my guard or I want him in half guard because with his weight and momentum, he's going to either get tired and take advantage or he's going to try to bear down on me. And then I'll go into my favorite thing, which is either the omoplata or the belly down armbar because you're gonna put yourself out there for it. And I will lay there on my back and absorb it until it's time. Yes, mixed martial arts is different because I have to worry about getting punched, but I think about that in here when, when I do spar. When we do roll live, we roll a little harder sometimes with the guys I trust, like Scott. I roll with Scott, we roll hard. We're best friends. But there's nights you wouldn't know because it looked like we're trying to kill each other. You would think we were trying to murder each other. but. I'm one to see if I can protect myself if he throws a punch, if I'm in a good position. Because stuff in here on the mat is one thing. Stuff out there in real life is different. Stuff in that cage is different. Them guys are going to try to kill you. They're trying to punch you in your face. And judges, I think, don't understand that a guard, somebody, Nate Diaz has got, him and his brother probably have phenomenal jujitsu. But the judges, all they see is they're striking. They don't realize that when that guy, you know, especially Nick, he would pull guard on purpose. He would just sit down because he wanted you in his guard. He wanted to omoplot it. He wanted a go-go plot. He's got the only go-go plot that I know of. Yep. 
So Jerry, Jerry actually brought this around to a really good spot. So, you know, he's, he's talking about um, how we roll here at, um, at Total Defense Martial Arts. So we're a traditional Gracie Jiu-Jitsu um, school. So we do train a lot of uh, traditional self-defense that includes defense against strikes. Um, so it's been a, uh, it's been a rough couple months, obviously, you know, we're just starting to come out of the COVID lockdown tonight's the, the first time that we've been, um, in the gym in any way, shape or form with other people here. Um, it was, it was a big run up and then man, it was just like hitting a wall because we, uh, we had, uh, we had belt tests. We had a, um, we had belt tests and we had a seminar with our, um, our, our main black belt, Dennis Hayes, from uh, Hybrid Martial Arts in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. And we had four of our white belts successfully test for their blue belts. Uh, Jerry was one of them. We had one of our assistant coaches test for his purple belt and uh, successfully uh, gained that status. And our head coach, Brian Rose, tested for his brown belt and successfully passed that test. So... That was in early March. Um, it was a really great time. Um, Jerry worked really hard getting ready for his blue belt test, as did all the rest of the, um, the, the team members who tested for their belts. And then I think we literally, it was two classes. Yep. And then that, that second class after belt tests and, and our seminar uh, that Brian had the discussion with the team about preemptively closing the gym actually before the governor decided to close um to close us down and and for us to go into lockdown due to due to the covid issue um so it was it was literally we were going 100 miles an hour and all of a sudden we ran into a brick wall um it's there's been a lot of adjusting the the team has done really well with keeping in touch with each other through social media and uh, our private uh, Facebook group. And we've started a couple other Facebook groups to keep everybody motivated. Um, but it was, uh, it, it was, it was really disheartening to work that hard and, and, and see so many of the team members get to a, a spot and then basically have to completely stop training um, and have to go into maintenance mode. And that's kind of the, the, the best way to describe it is to go into maintenance mode. We're just trying not to forget anything and, yeah. and, and not come back with the, the, the COVID-19, literally the 19 pounds that you gained while you're in lockdown, watching Instagram videos and eating Cheetos. Um, but so Jerry, tell us a little bit about what it was like, what you did during lockdown now that we're coming out and, and you know, what your experience was uh, during that. Well, I have a full-time job, but... We cut our hours there because you know we we lost a lot of business so which was fine had more time at home so actually the first after the uh we had our class that last class was a thursday night we did uh we had a special class that night and for those of you know who know you know and if you don't know you're not gonna know so yeah we uh it was very fun and I was on top of the world because I had a blue belt. I succeeded in something that was very difficult. And literally, we had talked about it in that class because we were supposed to have a, a women's self-defense course that Sunday. 
and we had to cancel it because of this, because a lot of people were afraid to come. And, you know, rightly so, because this is the early days, and no one really knew a whole lot. And we were talking about preemptively, like Scott said, and literally by the time I got out home and got out of the shower, Matt Warner, one of our assistant coaches, had put it out that uh, we were closing, that we would be closed till further notice, uh, just for precaution. So we went from, like you said, from training hard, I, I was going, I had three, three days a week here for jujitsu to get ready for my blue belt. Me and Scott and one of our teammates, uh, we would come in here on our off time. Uh, I was coming in, I was doing stuff on my own. And then you go to nothing, no structure. And it's weird because I'm 43. Figured I'd, I'd understand structure. But I got, like everybody else, I got depressed because I lost my gym mates. I lost my friends. I mean, this is a family. This is a brotherhood and sisterhood. I mean, these people become family, not just gym mates. I mean, we do stuff outside of here together. We talk outside of here. We have a lot of fun. And they, they that got taken away from us. So for the first couple weeks, I didn't do a whole lot of anything. And then... I decided I started putting weight on because I was eating junk. I wasn't working that many hours and I was eating a lot of junk and watching TV. So I started using my elliptical. I was doing 90 minute sessions. I'd watch a movie on either Netflix or Amazon so that I would take away the pain. And I was doing a lot of uh, uh, just body weight stuff, push-ups, sit-ups, squats, just, just a routine. And it was more of, there's really, you know, no way to really do jujitsu other than drills without an opponent. Because a lot of the stuff you need someone with you. There's a lot of good drills. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that can show you a lot of really good drills. And they do help. Because it's muscle memory. But <clears throat> not having the live rolling, the live contact, it was difficult. It was, it was probably more mentally difficult than it was physically because it's just like you lose someone i mean it was hard it's like a you know going through a bad breakup yeah that's yeah because it's just we're great and then it's not you it's me we're going like, wait a minute what what i do it's like it's like your girlfriend telling you that your that her parents are making you break up right the, yeah. the government made us break up with jujitsu yep yeah, it, it, it was very similar for me. You know, I, my industry, I work in the defense industry, so um, we're considered uh, essential. So luckily I didn't have any disruption in my work pattern. Um, I work from home, so that didn't really change very much. The only thing that changed is I used to travel a lot for work, and that got totally kanked because, you know, we can't travel anymore. Um, and my wife works from home too, so nothing really changed for us there. Um, but, you know, as soon as this thing locked in, you know, the first week you're kind of looking around trying to figure out what the deal is. And then, you know, the, the second week, it, yeah, okay, this is going to be a little longer than we thought it was. So I started, you know, doing some stuff at home, some kettlebell workouts and, you know, trying to work on some, some yoga to work on my flexibility. And April hit and it was just like hitting a wall. Like April yeah. really sucked for me. Um, I still, still got up in the morning and worked out and, um, you know, the only thing that kept me going through April was discipline. That was the only thing that kept me going. I was drinking a lot, yeah, a was, lot more than usual. 
I would do, you do a, you know, a workout on the elliptical, it's like, you burn 1,200 calories, yay! But then I drink a six-pack of beer, and there's your 1,200 calories. Yeah. You know, just right back, you know, and so, yeah. Yeah. I was I was drinking a lot more than than I typically do. And then, you know, we're sitting here having a couple whiskeys, and, and I'll, I'll have a, you know, a drink, you know, pretty often, but I was drinking a lot. And there were days I would go into my office and, you know, it was literally maintenance mode. It was everything. It was just what I could do to get through the day. And then, um, a friend of mine on, uh, Instagram, um, he and I had done a, a 45 day, no booze challenge last year and he wanted to do it again. So I hit him up and said, Hey, do you want an accountability buddy? You know, let's do this together. So the beginning of May, I went dry and, Literally three days later, I felt so much better because I did not realize how much I was drinking. Um, it was it was actually pretty scary when when I realized how much I was drinking. And then May, you know, again I was still working out during during April, but God, it was just awful. And May turned around and and things got a lot better. But man, yeah, I I really think I was depressed during during April just because everything stopped so quick. And April was probably if you look at the whole arc of the COVID thing, that was probably the month where so much stuff was was unknown. Yeah. Right? Because the government didn't really know what was going on. The CDC was still figuring stuff out. And always, you, always the death totals. Oh, yeah. The daily death totals. And you couldn't find toilet paper at the store. They were talking about meat shortages. Yep. People were starting to hoard food. You know, April was just a rough month in general, and um, you know, I, uh, it was just. I'm, I'm glad we're out of it, man. I'm, I'm so happy to be back in the gym and and getting to hang out with with brother Jerry, um, and get to see Coach. You know, this afternoon when we clocked into the gym, and uh, you know, I think things are turning around for for the better. Things are starting to loosen up, and you know, Virginia's starting to come out of the out of the lockdown. Um, regardless of what you think of how our government's doing. Eventually, one day on this podcast, we will wax political, but it's not going to be tonight. Um, tonight, we're going to keep it fun. Yeah. And talking about jiu-jitsu and, uh, and, and whiskey and, and mixed martial arts. And so um, you know, Jerry's talked about, you know, he, he, he's a newly minted blue belt. I am still a, a two-stripe white belt, um, hoping to, to test here shortly. Once we get back in the full swing of things, but uh, and you know, a little asterisk for Scott. If it wasn't for him getting his knee blown out <laughs> by a guest one here one night who wouldn't listen to go slow, protect your buddy, blew his knee, he'd be a blue belt right now too. It's 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 you have accidents and that's what it was, and he would be a blue belt too. He is very very good. He was my training buddy. We, he was my training buddy for my test. So let's just establish that. He's a blue belt at heart. He'll have a blue belt for real as soon as we get back to doing this and we can test again, hopefully in the fall. Uh, cheers, buddy. Thank you. Oh, all right. So we've been rolling on this thing for about 35 minutes, 36 minutes. Um, that's not too bad for our first outing. This, nope. this went pretty good. We we kept the fucks to a minimum, and 
Um, for this time. This, for this, this time, this yeah. This is the introduction that the shenanigans and the debauchery will come in later. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. So um, this is an independent venture between Jerry and I. So um, all the thoughts and uh, opinions expressed on this podcast are not endorsed by our gym nor our coach. Though we will do our best not to do anything that gets us kicked out of the, the, the academy. So, Jerry, you got any closing thoughts? Base, yeah. Looking around at what's been going on lately, all I really can say is just have some compassion for each other. Just be compassionate. Show care for somebody else like you would yourself. A perfect stranger, you know, don't look at somebody and think they're different. Just look at them. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people out there that have some great stories, and we're not that different from anybody. I mean, everybody's pretty much the same inside, man, and a lot of people have the same stuff going on in their life as you do. And just think about that before you were, before you were rude to somebody or you say something to somebody or you look down at somebody just because of who they are or how they dress or where they're from. I mean, this, the whole idea of our country is to be open and accepting of everybody. So maybe we should really start living that way and just quit picking sides. You really don't need to have a team in this. We should all be the same team. That's about all I got to say. Everybody, everybody wants to have a team, and right now, we really should just be together. We're trying to get through something that's killed some people, and we still don't know how it's going to end. We don't know what's coming next. We don't know what's out there in the greater world, what other evil lies out there. And we should all just try to take care of one another and just show some passion. That's all I got. I'm not going to try to top that one. So, Team Human. Cheers, buddy. There you go. All right. You've been uh, listening to Rolling Rocks Radio. Um, I'll give you an explanation of the name the next episode, but if you can't figure it out, Rolling Rocks Radio. It's not hard, but we'll talk about it next time. He's Jerry Armantrout. I'm Scott Barker. You've been listening to Rolling Rocks Radio. Have a great evening. See you next week. Bye. The music for tonight's episode was But I Am Shafts of Light by Mayeth from their album, Wailing Village.